So morning everyone, welcome to the OFS Chats podcast. This is episode 7 of season 3 with your host Pina Mebe. Unfortunately, Mbali couldn't join us today, uh, but today's episode is going to be a very intriguing one, uh, as we always do. Um, obviously, it's courtesy for us to say welcome to the podcast and another beautiful conversation is set to stone, uh, so please feel free to enjoy yourself with this particular episode. Unlike the series that we've previously been doing, where we've covered people in the IT space, we also had an episode covering people in the educational space. Today's episode is going to be a bit different as well. We're going to be covering people in the legal field. Um, obviously, you have typically watched series like Suits. Uh, you watched, obviously, a couple of TV shows where you see lawyers dressed up in all black and in front of a judge trying to present cases and so forth. But today's episode is not going to be necessarily just trying to get a gist of what a typical stereotypical life of a lawyer is like, but also to kind of understand who these people are on an individual level and how obviously their particular careers play a role in terms of their day-to-day lives. Uh, so before we start, I think it'll be important for me to obviously get an introduction of each guest, uh, so at least if you guys can understand who they are and what they're about. So I think before we start, um, each of you guys can just introduce yourself, just tell us your name, where you're based, and what you do with anything interesting about yourself. Uh, I think we can start with Muzi. The floor is yours. Uh, just give us a quick introduction of who you are and what you do. Yes, okay. All right, thank you. Thank you, Peter. I just wanted to say thank you for including me into this. And um, yeah, I uh, my name is Muzi, Muzi Keswa. I work in Durban and uh, West Fulcourt Daily Morris Fuller Attorneys. I'm in the litigation section of it. Um, and yeah, just I'd say I've been in practice for four years. And um, yeah, that that's just on me. So yeah. Cool, perfect. Uh, now, lady, the floor is yours. Just introduce everyone i mean everyone to yourself thanks peter um can you hear me oh uh, yes all right um i'm naledi makaba i'm practicing at makaba and Mitchley attorneys i've been practicing this is 2012 since 2013 so is it nine years or going for nine years now mm. i did my articles in 2013 until 2015 and did one year out of litigation, then came back and um, started my firm with my friend, Makaba and Mitchley Attorneys. We mostly do um, criminal law, but we are uh, broad. We will do most civil litigation work, family evictions. Um, if I'd say litigation firm, but specifically or more importantly, criminal law. Okay, perfect. Um Naomi, I know your camera can't work, but just give us a quick introduction of who you are and what you do. Fixing that. Hi, everybody. I'm your candidate attorney, second year, and I will be getting admitted by the end of this year. I practice mostly in the convincing sphere, and I do a lot of contracts. Um, and yeah, I practice, well, I'm currently a CA at a law firm in Joburg, SVB attorneys. And yeah, I look forward to getting admitted. 
Cool. I'm surprised you didn't plug your your women in law uh, platform. I was <laughs> I was about to do. Let me actually do that. Yeah. So I'm also <laughs> I'm also the founder and director of an online platform called For Women in Law. I think you can see the that's my display picture right now. For Women in Law. It's an organization I founded about four years ago. We are profile uh, women in law, and I also have the mentorship program within the uh, the platform, the mentorship program where we mentor young female law students and law graduates. Um, it's a twelve month uh, program. I started the program about two years ago, and yeah, it's a growing platform. Something I'm very proud of, and yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, so as Naomi and Shad will probably join us along the way. So just to avoid inconveniencing with time, I think we just have the conversation started between the two of you. And then I think along the way, obviously, they'll join us. Uh, so I think the most important thing right now is obviously to get it. Obviously, you've got a slight introduction of who you guys are, obviously what you guys do. But I would like to understand more so as to how you've got into this particular journey of yours, into the particular field of law. And obviously, you've probably our previous episodes have covered people in the IT space, where developers, programmers, for teachers, people working in the educational space, trying to understand exactly how they've navigated that particular field. But my question now to you is how your journey started in the legal space. And I think, let me start with Muzi, since you're probably going to be the only guy joining today. How has your journey started? Um, and I would obviously like to get obviously a gist of where it started and what got you into this particular field particularly. Muzi? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. It's 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 interesting because like I think for for many people in law it's always like a different everyone's got their own different roads that led them to you know getting there in practice. Um, with me, so I studied at um, so I for me what happened was it was I had I was playing rugby and I got a uh, rugby injury. I wanted to actually be an architect and then I got injured and uh, <laughs> I could see Shandy and now I'm connecting. <laughs> Sorry, I, yeah, so I got injured and um, I changed, had to change my career parts of it. And law was something that was always appealing, you know, and then it kind of became more real and I, when I finished my trick and then I studied at um, Varsity College in Durban North and it offered, um, it offered law in partnership with the University of Free State. And so I studied my years there, my LB there. And then, um, and then I did a PLT course, the six month one that I did in at UKZN. And then I got offered articles in 2018, I think, yeah, in 2018 here at Daily Morris Fuller Attorneys. And then, yeah, from there, it's just been, yeah, it, it's just, it's been quite an experience because, um, yeah, I learned quite a lot about the profession and the people inside it. And, just the the growth in it so yeah but that's that's been like my road and how i got to this position and then yeah for all these years and then i got admitted in last year and yeah and that's just how i got my way to practice should I say. Cool. and then you said how many years have you been practicing so because i started in 2018 here doing like my articles and stuff yeah. i've been practicing since 2018 so that's about plus yeah four more years yeah four years or some change Perfect, perfect. Now, Lady, yeah. how has your journey been? I'm assuming it's probably different from this. Um, yes, I'd say it's a little bit different, but pretty much the same. Um, so I didn't know what I wanted to be growing up. It changed from wanting to be a teacher to wanting to be 
um, a paramedic. I, I didn't really know, but what I knew is I hated science. And people told me that you, you can't, you can't uh, be a paramedic if you don't do science. Um, I grew up in a medical family, uh, so it sort of was expected that maybe I would go that way as well. Not an option for me. I hated science. I hated biology, any of those things. So towards grade 11, I had to decide. And someone said, oh, you talk so much, you should be a lawyer. And that's where <laughs> the seed was planted. So um, I started applying. And, you know, I, I always knew I was going to go to VITS, so I applied to VITS. I didn't apply anywhere else, actually. Uh, that was in 20, 2009. Uh, did my full four-year LLB at VITS. Uh, when I finished, it was a struggle getting articles. Um, the first law firm I got my articles, where well, I was uh, appointed, was pretty much a conveyancing law firm. I knew I did not want to be a conveyancer. So I then turned down those articles, and um, I then got articles at Prishnik Governor Attorneys, which was a general litigation law firm. And when I got there, they were not doing, oh, they were outsourcing the criminal, um, the criminal work, if I could put it that way. They appointed advocates and, you know, I came in and said, I enjoy criminal, I'll take over that, that space. Um, worked for them for two years, did not, it did not end well, you know, as articles often will happen where you don't want, you're not either, either you're not retained or you do not want to stay. Then I um, left after my articles and I went into the legal insurance field where I was working for a, plat uh, a company similar to the Scorpions and the Lipcos where the clients called us and then we would outsource to our attorneys uh, or would refer them to attorneys. And at that point, it felt like I was my soul was crushed having to answer the phone and give legal advice to people who sometimes have the stupidest of questions. And I was like, this, this is not where I belong. So I need to get back into practice. And it was a struggle getting um, a job after that. So eventually my friend and I sat down and we said, look, we're both struggling to find something. Why not start our own? And we were fortunate enough that we had parents who were willing to, you know, let's say fund us for, for the first six months. So they said, we will pay a minimal salary while you guys get established. So you're not taxing the firm um, while we started out. So the, for the first, I think it was four months, they were helping us that way. And I mean, that's a privilege that we cannot even downplay because so many people want to start their own firms and cannot because they do not have the funds. But that was in 2016 and I've been at my own firm, Makab and Mitchell Attorneys since then. Perfect, wow. I think, I think that's quite amazing, especially starting your own firm. And obviously as you've raised, which was probably gonna be one of the questions around how obviously one gets into actually putting, doing their own practice having their own firm but uh, as you've raised one of the challenges probably going to be funding amongst them um naomi how has your journey been in terms of the legal space and how did it start uh, your microphone is just off okay can you hear me and can you see me now yes 100 percent. okay great thanks okay so um how did my journey start <clears throat> so for me um Growing up, you know, in high school, I was always interested in organizations such as, you know, the Red Cross, United Nations, and the United Nations. And while doing my research um, on the people that I saw within these fears, I realized that a lot of them had a legal background. Most of them were lawyers, um, you know, people such as Barack Obama, Michelle. Obama, um, Nelson Mandela even was an inspiration of mine growing up. I realized that a lot of these 
world leaders these people i looked up to had like a legal background or all lawyers so i thought okay if i was going to penetrate these fears one day i'm going to go study law and that's how i was going to get myself there and um so yeah that's how that's where my interest grew from um so i did my undergrad ba law at the northwest university i then went on to do my llb through unisa and while while studying at UNISA, I found myself doing an internship at um, Lawyers for Human Rights. That was interesting in my journey because it made me realize I did not want to end up in public interest law. I actually, I hated it. I hated it very much. And then um, after I completed the internship, I was still while you know, pursuing my LLB, I found myself in a small, very small conveyancing firm in Brooklyn. So I was working while studying and it, I, it, it sort of grew my interest in, in, in conveyancing. And I stayed there until I completed my LLB. Fortunately enough, I, one of those, I was one of those people who didn't struggle to really find articles because by the end of my LLB journey, I had two offers. And then I ended up at uh, STBB Attorneys, where I am right now. And, you know, I've really grown in the convincing. Um, I've really grown to enjoy convincing. And it's, it's definitely a field I see myself pursuing, although I do have other interests, but it's, it's, it's what I know and it's what I want to keep on kind of growing and um i haven't made it to the un yet but it's still a dream i got lost in practice but you know i'm still very young i'm still a, a baby lawyer and um yeah the journey is still it's, it's so long and exciting yeah oh well, i think the most oh and i'm also i, I i'm i've in yeah now go ahead go ahead oh no i was saying i also have a very um keen interest in in uh commercial commercial law and corporate law. So I'm enrolling for my LLM in 2023. So that's also an exciting um, yeah, journey I'm about to take. Perfect. Um, Shadi, on your side, um, you've probably just joined us now. Um, obviously, we didn't get a good introduction of who you are, but I guess maybe to an extension to the question, how has your journey been into the legal space? But obviously, you can just include that as an introduction of who you are and obviously what you do. So just give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and most also how your journey has been to the legal space. Okay. Um, my name is Shadi Mujobi. Um, I'm a 29-year-old female, founder and director of my own law firm, Mujobi um, Attorneys, Conventors and Notaries. Uh, founded in 2021, uh, right before the trauma of COVID hit us. Um, how am I finding the space so far? Honestly, with me, I'm very. When I when I first got into the introduced into the field, I honestly didn't even know what I wanted to do. So, I served my articles at at Rodiport under the name and practice of Little Mahajan Associate. And the first thing uh, my former principal said to me was that you're going to be a convincer. Um, there's a lot of convincing matters that I want you to. Uh, do and I thought what is that it was my second time hearing about it first time I heard at law school there was some very beautiful lady that just was kept talking about it and I also took it as one of those electives as law, at law school but I just thought it's just a small Anyana course and we're just moving on so I started uh, growing the interest in it and 
um, with my principal, he actually kept me away from any other kind of work. So he was kind of channeling me to where exactly he wanted me to go. And he started paying for the lead classes, getting me the material. So he, he literally invested in what we, what we were planning to do. But as, as I started studying the convention thing, it was such, such challenging. Everyone can, most people that have went through the journey can have their own traumatic stories to tell. So it was challenging, but I was like, oh, you know what? I'm into it. I started writing and I went on failing and failing and failing and failing and failing. But I just, uh, I'm one of those really stubborn people say, I've wasted so much time. The end is near. I might as well keep at it. So in 2019, I passed, you know, and I, at that time I was working for someone else and I just realized, mm, okay. This is not going to work for me. So I was miserable where I was, to be, to be quite frank. And miserable, Atonian convincer. For some reason, I'm, I know my colleagues, convincing colleagues are going to bite my head off. We think we deserve better than anyone else after the journey that we go through. So my job with no plan, to be honest with you. I remember December, I went home and I didn't have a pay for December. Was, you know, the family will carry you through and all of that reality coming back January. Um, must pick up the slack, the rent is not paid. I just quit January. By the end of January, I, I stayed home. I was like, I'm not doing this to myself because it was emotionally taxing me. So I stayed home and a very loving brother of mine and said, What is your plan? I've been waiting for you to be this miserable before I can jump into your aid. And I said, I don't know. It's like, just open your own practice. I'm like, What? Are you crazy? Me? with my 0% self-confidence, you know? And it's like, look, none of us know what we're doing. We're just winging it in the process and just go. And I remember just getting in my car with petrol to say um, it's on reserve. I'm going to the Law Society in Pretoria to get the forms, to fill them in. And the most beautiful thing happened. I met this old colleague of mine and he's like, what are you doing here? And I told him my story. He's like, look, I will help you register an incorporation. I didn't even know how to, free of charge. I'll guide you through the process. And everything just started, you know, coming in. And I didn't even have an office, by the way. So somebody else borrowed me their address to register with the law society. And that was it. I didn't have furniture. The brother came through for me with the funds. And I just went to secondhand shops, bought furniture. And that was it. The tragic thing that happened was that in March, I started, I opened office with two files. One of the instructions came from the same brother, transferring a very nice, you know, chunk of property that may carried me throughout the three weeks lock. I mean, the, I mean, after three weeks, sorry, after three weeks of practice, then we got into the lockdown. The, that's when the, that very special speech that changed our lives forever came through. Luckily enough, I made enough money in the three weeks to carry me through it, staying at home for months. So that was pretty much it and the rest was just history everything just started but one thing I can say is that when you are in a situation like that I was my friends always told me we want to give you work but we want you we don't want to give it to your principal that's what motivated me the work just started flowing and from the very same people that promised that they were they did just that but when I was working for someone saying bringing in metals they're like no we don't know this person we want to support your dream and yeah I'm, I'm still very much appreciative of that Wow. I think that's quite inspiring. I think a lot of people uh, <clears throat> have a challenge in terms of actually starting their own firms and obviously even just beyond the legal space at any career. I think a lot of people 
when you start, you probably have, and maybe this leads to my second question, maybe it's with Muzi now. Um, a lot of people, obviously, from what you studied, probably when you're growing up, you had a certain idea about how your career was going to manifest into itself in terms of your income, what you're going to be doing in terms of your day-to-day -day activities, even to the promotional level as to how you get to a senior position. Um, on your side, Muzi, how has your transition been between, obviously, what you expected from what you're seeing in the books versus what you do on a day-to-day -day level? Is there truly a connection there or is it a serious detachment, especially in your particular field? Um, okay, well, I'll say is um, from like what we studied to what it's like really like at practice, it's it's mind blowing. I always had said like to like some of the article clubs that I mentor and all of that, I, I just told them from my experience, I just told them from day one, don't be overwhelmed, just accept that and accept the fact that, you know, right now, you know, like pretty much nothing, you know, because in terms of like the experience, when you're in, when you're studying and stuff, it's really theoretical. And then when you like outside in the courtrooms and you have to stand in front of magistrates, let's say, it's a whole different ball game, you know, where like um, you might not have grasped that public speech speaking properly yet and all of that. And the specific type of wordings that, you know, that magistrates and courts require you to speak in. And that's different from like me and you, the informal lingo, you know, and yeah, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, um, <laughs> and many people say like, you know, they, they say is, you know, it's, it's, it's like suits for instance, you know, the, the series and, and I'll say it's, yeah, it's much different to suits, you know. Um, at times you like for instance, even at the criminal matters, I'm sure even you know my lady will tell you that um the like there there are some matters you might think of you'll be doing like the like you know when you really have that passion for it and you've been thinking of like you'll be doing the Oscar Pistorius type of matters, you know. Meanwhile, you know, you, you might be doing an adjournment for someone who shoplifted, you know, at Spick and Bay or, or ShopRite, you know, for razor blades or something like that. Um, but yeah, but they are good and and yeah, and a type of interesting aspects of it. And all I'll say is that I I it was definitely not exactly what I anticipated, and it did shape my my growth, you know, all the experience that I attained because like the the best way you get experience is by just giving your absolute best you throw everything out you know and you just do your best learn as much as you can if you have a specific matter that needs a specific you know act or deals with a specific part of law you have to take the initiative try you know and get as much assistance as you can from other attorneys that you know or close friends and just have that close knit type of thing and again these are just things that weren't later like weren't really warned about or told about during our studies and stuff like that it's just things you ended up knowing and before you know it you've already established connections with other people in the in the litigations we all like in, in courts and everything because now from like my very first year in like articles to now i would never have thought that i'd know certain advocates that i know you know and other attorneys and directors and other law firms and stuff like that 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 i know you know and other attorneys that i've grown with you know but at the end of the day like i said it's the connections that you also grow that actually really help and you know and people like some magistrates and other people they really love seeing you being like a, a moving train you know what i mean they they don't see you if you the type of just just relax and sit down and you know not have a drive not have a push 
they sometimes don't want to support that. They want to support someone who's as passionate in what they do, you know, just like, you know, just like you, you know what I mean? So they will always want to see how you're doing and support you and how, and just, you know, get inspired off of that. So, yeah. so yeah, so I, I did learn quite a, a bit that, you know, that it is very, very different, you know, yeah. but yeah, but I learned that and I'm happy. No, I appreciate that. I think, you know, I think in all industries, having connections is very important. And I think you sharing that insight is quite informative for a lot of people. Um, now, lady, on your side, and I think maybe to an extended question to the previous person, um, what does your day-to-day look like, especially in your particular practice? And what do you to do? What would you consider on a, on a simple, brief explanation? What would you say your day-to-day looks like in your particular field, in your, in your particular firm for you? All right. Um... My day generally starts in court uh, every morning, uh, probably three days of a month. I, I probably don't go to court, but most mornings start in court. Um, it can be a matter of being there for an hour. So, you know, I'm leaving court at half past nine, 10 o'clock, maybe half past 10 if I'm lucky. And then the rest of the day I'm in the office. Sometimes then if it's trial or if the postponement t- tends to take long, then um you know, maybe later on in the afternoon, but generally starting court, when I finish, then I go in, into into the office. Um, it it's it's a rare day and a beautiful day when I don't have to start in court because sadly, when you run a practice that where you litigate, um, you then are either in, in in civil matters with other people who don't do court. So they're expecting you, or some of your clients, in fact, are expecting you to be in the office all day. And when you don't then respond at the speed that they're expecting you to, they think you're just wasting time and you're not playing along or you, you know, they think you're playing the long game. And it's like, you have to explain, I've got matters to do. I've got other things to do. And then there's the, the war that we have with the court personnel, because it's nothing for uh, an um, prosecutor to say to you, oh, we'll get you a matter, just wait. And it's always just wait, just wait, just wait around. And I continuously have to explain to them, for you, you are at work. You're sitting, you're doing something here at court. For me, I have to do this postponement. I still have 10, 15 other matters that I have to attend to when I get back to the office. So just wait for me is wasting my time, actually taking money from me because time really is money. And if I don't get to my matters, I've got angry clients, I've got angry opponents. Um, but typically my day must start at court or does start in court. And then the rest of the day, then I'll be in office. Sheesh, sheesh. I think, you know, my stereotype of a lawyer would be someone who's looking at a 600-page document, half in Latin, and you're trying to interpret legal cases and looking at references from previous cases, and you're basically at your desk for 17 hours of the day. You probably don't have a social life, and that's the stereotype that you typically see from a lawyer, but then weekends, you're driving a a nice Mercedes-Benz, going to have champagne with your friends. Um, so that's my my interpretation of how, what the typical lawyer life looked like. Uh, but I'm I'm glad you guys at least are breaking some of the misconceptions that some people may have. Um, Naomi, maybe to that question then, what are the typical misconceptions that you think people have around the particular field? And especially for you now that you've transitioned from obviously studying to now working, and obviously you've moved now to a different firm, how is that experience and that transition for you? Um, I think for me, one of the biggest thing has been, um, I think growing up, a lot of people, there's always a, there's a myth going around that in order to be a good lawyer, you have to be talkative. You have to have an extroverted personality. And one of my, (laughs) one of the joys of, um, you know, finally being into practice is 
getting to kind of debunk that myth. It, it, it is a myth. Um, I was told a couple of times while studying that, I mean, I'm too quiet and too reserved to be a lawyer. Mind you, there are different kinds of lawyers. There's your litigation lawyers. There is what I like to call like boardroom lawyers who just sit <laughs> in the office and behind a desk. And um, I'm still quiet. I'm still very much reserved, but that has not hindered me from uh, you know, doing good work, from being recognized and from planting myself and planting myself into this practice and uh, penetrating shares I never thought I would I, I would have because you know you take it to heart it, it, you, 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 you you tend to overthink when somebody's telling you okay maybe I am to reserve maybe in order to be a good lawyer I have to uh, be more talkative and that's not the case um, you know I have this platform for women in law where I have used the platform to really network and get to know other lawyers um and yeah just being reserved being a bit less talkative has not hindered my 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 ability to be a good lawyer and um that's i think that's been the biggest thing for me realizing that you know there are different kinds of lawyers there are we, we might be i would i would say in order to just um 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 oppose that kind of thinking that most people have i would say one of the things that lawyers do a lot is probably a lot of writing and a lot of reading i think we read we have to read we, we read a lot i'm always reading something new there's always case law trying to you know even for litigators like it's a lot of reading but a lot of talking i yeah i i, I completely disagree and i feel like i've been able to prove that wrong in practice Oh, perfect. And I think even I'm not I'm in the legal field, but uh, my profession, typically people expect you to be, you know, you have a portfolio of clients in the financial services and you expect to be this social person and playing golf. But anyway, that's my own problem I have to deal with. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions around a lot of careers, uh, but I appreciate at least your insight around some of these misconceptions that exist. Um, I don't know about Shadi, if you also relate to this, some of these misconceptions. But particularly in your field, I mean, you also like Naomi do the conveyancing part and obviously you probably do a lot of the deeds office. What does a day to day look like for you particularly? And also maybe to an extended question for everyone else going back later on about the job opportunities that are out there for someone who's probably still studying law. What would you say is it, is it convincing, especially in these tough times that we're in this COVID pandemic happened, the economy is not looking good. What are the job opportunities from someone who's working as a lawyer or in the legal field? Would you say there's enough job opportunities or not? In terms of job opportunities, oh my goodness. On a day-to-day basis, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I've come to realize that it's so scarce. Not that the jobs are not there. Let me, let me actually paraphrase that. Let, the jobs are not, not there. They're there. Our biggest fear, because I'm just going to be really honest with you, is hiring the people that are able to do the work and your approach in terms of seeking the work. You can't come into my personal Facebook and request for a job in a, with emojis and that kind of thing. How do you expect me to take you serious? I am not your friend. You know, you're looking for work. Take yourself seriously. I always say, um, before I change to office, cause I moved from Joba to, to Bryanson side. Joburg has a lot of, you know, walking uh, kind of um, candidates. Those are my people. You know, you, they're putting in the effort and you find somebody dressed up, not necessarily expensive, just dressed up, 
making an effort, you know, going out there to just physically submit their CVs. Um, my previous employees, that's how I actually hired them. I don't even, I, I look for personality. I don't look for, I don't care about your CVs. I've had cum laude students, it didn't work out because the personality didn't fit um, with what I'm looking for. I'm a very casual, easy going individual at my office. I believe that you spend majority of your time there. You need to relax. We're not, you know, building <laughs> robots there. It's just easy going, but just get the work done. Dress code, just be presentable, be clean. That kind of situation. So it says a lot. Your presentability, how you present yourself. That's it. Just go out there confident. That's it. I look for I'm speaking for myself. I don't know about other people. Others, I've, I've visited a couple of friends of mine, their law firms, and it's yes, ma'am, yes, sir, every day on the phone. And I'm like, no, this is not my personality. The day I become this person, it means I'm, I'm lying. I'm a very easy, people that know me personally. Um, I go to the deep office in my track suits and I'm naturally very short. I look like a 16-year-old child. So I'm overlooked in most things to say this child, but then I'm saying I'm here to do my work. And when they see the person behind the brand, they're like, wow, this is you. I'm like, yeah, it's me. I'm just this little girl, you know, but I'm just here to do the work. It's nothing personal. The narrative that I'm trying to push is that a typical person can do this. That is, that is my whole thing that I'm pushing for. It's not somebody that, you know, sitting in a glass house and spinning on a chair and the table is clean. You know, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm from a village. And I always say that growing up when you heard the lawyer, you, you have this image in your mind. And I'm trying to change that image in a young child's mind to say, a lawyer is just like any other person. You know, we just studied did this and you just put in the work pretty much. But all I'm saying is that for people that are looking for articles, just put a bit of effort. Please don't send your, your, your CVs, go to Facebook and Instagram. And it's, it's, for me, I just click, move on, click, move on. I don't even entertain you. But if you want to engage me, say, I'm facing these kind of challenges. How can I overcome them? I'm always that sister with the ear to say, listen, the reality is I'm living this. I tell people I, I have a lot of mental breakdowns in the process. I keep it raw. I keep it real and giving it to you as it is. So that's just my two cent piece. Now, appreciate that. Uh, before I go to Muzi, Nadia, I see you raised your hand. I don't know if you want to extend on to what she just said. Yes, um, just to extend on to, you know, the, the, the quality of what's coming out of university, the people who are seeking the jobs. It's so disappointing because, um, you know, my, my brand is to try and empower as many people particularly especially young women, because there is space for them, but there is not enough place for them within the law. So I try to give as much space as possible. But I mean, to get a CV um, where you've scanned your documents and they are not legible, I actually cannot read what's there, yet you forwarded that on to, to, to your potential employer. You are sending um, a CV. The worst thing I've received is when someone has copied or CC'd about six law firms in one email applying for a job. And I mean, how am I then supposed to take you seriously? You didn't even have the, you didn't, you couldn't take the time to copy and paste the same email over and over. Yet you copied Makaba and Michele attorneys, this attorneys, that attorneys, that attorneys. It's, we want to employ people, but when I see that much laziness in you seeking a job, what's going to give me the confidence that once you get the job, you will apply yourself. 
properly in the job. And I mean, I had people hitting me up on LinkedIn and trying to get a job. And I understand LinkedIn is supposed to be this professional platform, but requesting to follow me on LinkedIn is not going to get you a job. Um, sending me an inbox on LinkedIn. Once you get on my LinkedIn, or if you found me on my LinkedIn, you can find my firm's website, then get my email address and send. The first person we actually hired was a um, person who just sent us an email requesting uh, an internship, and we took her on. We interviewed her, we saw the, 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 the drive that she had, and we took her on that way. But if you then won't present yourself in a manner that shows that you care and you actually want this job, then you're not, you're not going to get very far in the, in this profession. I, um, just take time. I, so many people, I tell, I tell them, take the time, present yourself in a manner that the person on the other end uh, reviewing your CV or reviewing your application is impressed. And it doesn't need you to be cum laude. It doesn't need you to be anything impressive. Just put your best foot forward. And the foot that some of the, the candidates are, are putting forward is not is not impressive at all. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I think even just beyond the legal space, I think a lot of people don't have training. Maybe this is a thing around maybe our education system that, you know, people are not informed and given the resources and puts emphasis around how to actually get a job. Because one thing you get a, get a cum laude, you have all the distinctions, your CV, you may have everything on paper, but the actual paper and the presentation, how you interact with people is not actually getting you the job. Um, Naomi, I see you raised your hand and then I'll, I think I'll go to Muzi after that. Naomi? I just wanted to touch on what the previous speaker said. Um, totally agree. Um, I think, you know, even though we are, you know, at the age of social media and everything is being done through social media, you have these social media lawyers, it's still important to remember etiquette. You know, if you're going to DM somebody on Instagram, Twitter, even LinkedIn about, you know, a job or employment they still you still have to follow certain etiquettes still have to follow certain professional kind of skills so i think that's very important it can't be it can't be casual it's not a casual uh uh situation so yeah just wanted to agree with that i appreciate that um i think to move the conversation forward and this was because obviously i spoke to some people who are obviously either still studying law and there's some questions they obviously asked me to pose to some of you guys and there was a question maybe i can pose this to Muzi around you come from a disadvantaged background right and your family probably doesn't have much financial resources to support itself and as a result you probably are now in the legal field studying and all that and you're trying to get a job, you're probably going to look at probably applying at the Norton Rose, uh, do your, art, your articles and all that. You're trying to get yourself a nice big firm. And the question, therefore, is from a financial point of view, does it, I mean, and maybe this is a misconception, is it important for one to look at getting a job at the big firm or trying to be that guy at a big firm to secure yourself financially? Or is there resources and is there a reward from working also hard within a small firm or you know starting your own firm in the micro level is the financial aspect because i asked the same question to the it guys and there's also kind mm -hmm. of a variance around that what's your view on that particular point um okay my view would be that um look to be honest if you if you go it just depends on what you want out of it you see if you purely are trying to like um land like a big job at a big firm just to you know get more finances in it's almost like now you've put you know your passion and the whole reasons of you you know studying law and and your future 
on like a second footing and you put in that that drive of you know money on the first on like you know the priority list which is a bit wrong because like the truth is it's some 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 of the big firms are very good you know they they do train their candidates and they, some of them have a good environment I'm sure what i've heard and others don't necessarily do that some of them they have this tendency of um like not giving big work to candidates because they're very new and they and it's a bit of a risk you know and other places like medium firms or smaller firms have this thing of allowing candidates to handle certain type of work you know and the risk is different and they i'll say they become more competent and they do more and at the end of the day i think you want a, a bit of a balance when it comes to that, that 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 financial question, because that's how I ended up approaching things where like if you are new and you are a candidate or anything and you are new to the fraternity, one thing you want is a place where you can get a lot of experience and also feel, you know, that you are paid the way you wish to be paid. You know, you can't be demanding 50,000 Rand per month when you have zero experience to offer to that place you want to work at. Because at the end of the day is that you are, to any employer, you always be a financial risk or a commercial risk, should I say. It always depends on how well you do for them and how competent you are for them to, you know, to actually acknowledge your, your like how well you are for the company. So, so yeah, so it's it's a situation like that. You have to have that balance of, the experience you're getting is also like balanced with how much money you're being paid. And sometimes they like, you know, I'm just being completely honest. And sometimes there are places where you will get little experience, but get paid a lot. That's some of the big firms. And sometimes you get a lot of experience and you get paid a little. So if I must be completely honest with you, you just, you just, when going in, you never really know what you can do is wish for the best and try to get as much experience as you can if you don't land it in the big firms, should I say. You know, just try grow yourself and learn and take as much experience as you can. And then you'll see where you go with your future. Because, like, you know, there are some parts of laws that, you know, not not all of us know you know and like we can't really say that you know sometimes you will walk in two years time three years time and you can't really say this is what i want to do for the rest of my life you know but at least if you start off in getting as much experience as you can and working your hardest you'll be in a better position to determine what you want to do you know so i hope i could answer that question probably but yeah that's my answer uh, i think you did and i think it's quite it's quite unique um, in the sense that it's a problem I think a lot of people experience, especially in the legal field. And, you know, you speak to someone, say, I'm working for a small firm and I'm earning peanuts, but I'm getting asked to do so much versus someone who probably works in a big firm and they don't get much opportunities to experience a lot of things. And maybe they lose out on the experience touch, but you're earning a lot of money. So I think that's just kind of the, the trade-offs you kind of have to consider. Um, let me go to Shadi, because obviously you're the previous speaker upon the previous question. Um, what do you, what's your take around the whole aspect about income and especially in maybe to extend to that question, being a black woman, is there any kind of unique challenges that you've experienced in the particular legal field, especially as a conveyancing, as a conveyancer? Okay. Um, a convey, okay. Female, yes. Even worse. Um, I don't mince anything. To be honest with you, the the, the convincing field it's it's mostly white dominated. I'm not even gonna I may be penalized for saying so, but it's a fact. 
So in most cases, I'm seen or received as a, what do they call, prep-black. Yes, I'm being called a prep-black. Where's your conventor? You know, I get that a lot. And I just, last time it happened to me, I took it so personal. I remember I was wearing a pair of jeans with a hoodie. And uh, it's sporty, you know, a bucket hat. And I just had to compose myself because I didn't want to bring the hood <laughs> into the deep office, you know, and make a lot of noise. I just said, okay, I'm in a different space now. I need to, it's my responsibility to change the narrative. Remember why I'm here. So I composed myself and I said, I am the conveyor. It's like, oh, okay, let's go sign. I'm like, okay, good, let's go sign. And I executed that and I left it at that. But that for me, it was a lesson to say, we still have a very long way to go. We still have an extremely long way to go. And in terms of being a female, um, they say a lot of law, uh, females, they're scared of the court, therefore they run for administrative work. I still do court work. So that is not that is not true. I I balance both on the other side. It's just for me picking and choosing. But now that I have candidate attorneys, I send them to court and they do all of that. But I, I'm not I'm not frowning upon the court work. I still do the work if needs be. So um, it's tough being a female. It, it's tough. It comes with its own challenges on its own. And I always tell people, running a law firm is yes, you have the legal background and whatnot. At the end of the day, it's a business. You need to still uh, make payments of this and that but we don't get those skills you know so what i normally say i do is the business part of things first whether we must do convincing whether we must run around the courts whether we must whatever we're running a business and let's make ends meet and that's that's the end of it so i'm here to do my part in terms of changing the narrative the racism one is the one that bothers me the most to be honest with you i can i can you know sexism is it's, it's not that it's, it's nothing big, big of a deal, but the racist one is, it's, it's so obvious. It's so in your face that the comments, the names that you get called, you know, I mean, am I not good enough? What is, what is a conveyor supposed to look like? You know, what is an image of a conveyor? She can't be short. She can't be black. She can't wear her, her hair in an afro. What, what is a conveyor supposed to look like? So for me, is I will show up in whatever I want to show up in to change the narrative. I will be questioned. So be it. My qualification says, so the only body that can say that you're disqualified is the law, uh, Legal Practice Council. Until they say so, I must show up in anything that I can show up in. So that, that is just my, yeah, that is just me. I, I really, I really appreciate that. And I think, you know, everyone's experiences are different, but I think there's a common experience a lot of people relate to. And obviously, this was one of the questions I asked around, obviously, being a Black woman herself who asked me this question to pose to you guys. And... What are the challenges you experience and how you navigate that particular aspect? So I really appreciate you, the fact that you're obviously being true to yourself and also still being within rights to obviously continue progressing with your career without the obstacles being that you face with. Um, maybe to Naledi and I'll go to Naomi in a second, then we can go to our last question before we run out of time. Um, Naledi, obviously you've heard the question around this aspects of obviously being a woman and also obviously the aspect of being a black woman. Um, you obviously are now more in the court and obviously you've probably spoken previously around your experiences in relate to that. But most also, how does one obviously, because maybe this question is linked to the previous question around, is there a level of judgment? Because obviously there's a misconception around how a lawyer is supposed to look like. Okay, this person can represent me. Okay, they don't have, they're not the most 
affirmative person. They don't sound like this, you know, heavily well-spoken English speaking person. Is that something that you typically experience even from your colleagues that, you know, there's a typical stereotype around you in the court, especially being a black woman, or is that not the case? Um, Peter, it's hard, it's hard. It's hard being a black woman in the courts, particularly when you are going to walk in and realize you are the only woman, let alone black woman, within the court personnel. The magistrate is a male, the prosecutor, all the other attorneys, legal aid, everyone around you is female. I mean, is male and you are the only female. Then males will walk in. You, you know, some courts have this first come, first serve basis. I'll walk in, speak to the prosecutor, and I'll say, My client's here, we're, we're ready for postponement. A male will walk in and they will decide to deal with the males before they deal with me. So my colleagues themselves will overlook the fact that you're female. They'll push you down and wait your turn, lady. Like, essentially, wait your turn, little girl. Like, let the men go in first. And that's something I have to deal with on a daily basis. But I think even worse than the, the, the treatment we get from our colleagues is a treatment we get from our own clients. Um, I've got a small assault common matter that I'm dealing with and my client is okay with me, happy with me, happy with how I'm representing her. One, one day, about a week and a half ago, her husband came to court and says to me, um, do you think you'll be able to speak for her though? Now that's a question I know for a fact will not be asked to a man. It is not the first time I have been asked by a man before, but you know, it, 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 it grated me so much. And then I've said, I've said, I've asked them, are you asking me this because I'm a female? Are you asking me this because something about me tells you I will not be able to run this trial? I won't be able to represent uh, my, my client. And I've been doing this for years and I've been getting this um, judgment based on my looks. I look too young. I, I, I don't seem to know what I'm doing. I mean, clerks in court have, have said, you know, you walked in and I felt so bad for you. I was like, oh, they're going to tear this little girl apart. She doesn't know what she's doing until you got up and spoke. And then I was like, wow, she knows what she's talking about. And then I say to them, don't judge me based on my appearance. I am short. I look young. But what, what matters is here. I went to law school. I've put in the work. I know what I'm doing. I know my work. And when I get up and I speak for my client, what I have to say matters. You know, uh, to be corny is when I speak, I roll. What I have to say is what matters. So the judgment we get every day is it's difficult. It's difficult being a... Uh, a female in, in, in a male-dominated field, especially then a white male-dominated field. I, I had a client, I inherited a client who his previous attorney was a white male and he was happy paying that white male 10,000 for a postponement. Comes to me and my fee is 1.5 for, for that. And he's like, no, that's too much, but you were happy paying 10,000 to a white male. But because now you're coming to me, I'm less, I'm less than, therefore I must be paid even less than. Despite the fact that that person postponed and postponed and postponed and your matter never got finalized, I had your matter finalized in two appearances, yet I deserve less because I so happened to be black. So the struggle goes both ways in a sexism way, in a racism way. It's something that we deal with on a daily basis. And it's something that I am trying to break uh, I want to tear that stereotype apart. I want people to start recognizing that you know, as a black woman, I know what I'm talking about, but I need that to happen without me having to be the angry black woman. It is tiring every day having to fight and to scream and to, you know, change. You know, you have to walk in so that men know not to hit on me, you know, to realize that I'm your colleague. And one of the worst things that I, I, I 
I experienced recently is I'm doing a matter with six other attorneys. Um, and at the time I was the only female. One of the attorneys walks in and I'm, and I'm sitting and chatting to um, one of the attorneys in the matter. And he, he walks in, says to the male attorneys, um, morning colleague, morning colleague, um, I think he may have called him advocate, turns around to me and says, sister. Now, why did I need to get a sister? Why couldn't I be treated as colleague as well? You didn't call him bro, you didn't call him brother, you called him colleague, you acknowledge that he's an attorney, yet all I was in the situation was a woman. And, and I'm, I'm a proud woman, I'm a proud black woman, and I am happy and I am, you know, I stay strong and I'm proud of what I do, but it is frustrating that on a daily basis, I have to prove louder and, you know, bigger than anyone else that I know what I'm talking about. I don't have to prove my case to, to the magistrate. I need to prove myself to my colleagues and to my clients. And that's what's frustrating. That's what makes it so difficult to be a black woman in law. Sheesh, sheesh. Uh, it's really, it's really, it's really it's touching matter. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's quite, quite disappointing that in this day and age, despite obviously all the previous issues we raise as a country on an annual basis, that such things still occur on an occasional basis, especially if you're trying to obviously, it's one thing on a social level, but in a profession where obviously it has to be treated equally and based on your expertise, your knowledge and what you contribute, that obviously there's still some prejudiced people still experience is quite disappointing. Um, and I hope obviously, I don't know what bodies are in place to obviously address such matters, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you've obviously raised and I think whoever's going to consider entering the legal space should be aware of these things because you don't want to be caught by a surprise that, you know, you're doing your articles and then jiggy jiggy, here you are in this circumstance and you ask yourself, why did no one tell me about this? Uh, so I appreciate that. Um, let me go to Naomi and I think we'll try to wrap it up at least hopefully by fifth quarter past 12. So at least you guys can at least go enjoy your weekend. Um, obviously you've heard what everyone has had to say. Maybe my question to you now is, um, Everyone in the career has experienced the ups and downs, but what is that one thing about your time so far in your particular field, conveyancing and so forth, that one particular aspect, whether it's a particular case or a particular sense of where you had to look at something that you can say, this was something I enjoyed. And what is that kind of thing that you can say, you know, I can take away and it was something that you enjoy about your job, if that makes sense. Something I enjoy about my job. Yeah, that one thing that you know you enjoy the most about your your day to day. Job. Yeah. Um, I think for me, you know, like I said, I'm still very early in my career, and you know, I'm still a baby. But for me, it has been just being able to like well, I, I deal with clients on a daily basis. You know, having to explain certain things to clients, and because I'm in convincing, I also deal with estate agents. Just seeing how different it is you know studying law and actually being in practice is completely like it's a it's 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 completely different you know what you did at school you need to forget and then because when you walk into practice it's a completely new environment uh just yeah like there's some times where you know you get to apply what you learned at school but not really so you come there you have to be very humble in your learning start from the bottom nobody cares that you will come louder nobody cares that you're on a dean's list every year no like you start from the bottom you start you 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 start to prove yourself again and for me what I love, what I've I've grown to love about my job is the fact that um 
I've really proven myself right. I've I was I've I've really been humble in my in, in my learning in in being the skivvy for a certain amount of time. And now that I'm almost at the finish line, uh, it, it's been very interesting watching how I interact with with my clients. How I'm able to interpret, you know, the law. How I'm able to explain to them what's happening without needing really guidance from my principal or my senior associate. Um, just there's been growth and I think a lot of it has to do with obviously being planted in a firm that fortunately has been intentional about growing the candidate attorneys they're very intentional about you know if I tell my principal listen I'm not I don't feel as though I am growing in this team and I want to be placed in a team where I want to grow she's she listens to me and she she places me in that team so Finding my voice and um, yeah, just being planted in a firm that is as dedicated to my growth as I am has been the best part of my job. And I don't take it for granted. I do understand that I'm not oblivious to the fact that um, there's a lot of, you know, exploitation out there, you know, of candidate attorneys in, in, in firms. So I don't take for granted that I was fortunate enough to find uh, an environment where that's not the case with me. So that is my favorite part um, of my job. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. No, I'd, I think for the sake of time, I'd like probably like for a lot of other questions I was going to ask, but I think I'll probably leave that for another session. Um, let me probably go to the last set of questions. And I'll try and mix these two questions together because the one I was asked to make sure I asked this, but then obviously that one, um, <clears throat> I'll just make it as a, as a, however you answer it, it's up to you. So Muzi, and obviously you've heard what everyone else has had to say. Now, obviously I want to add this on a, at least on, on a note where someone can at least leave with some kind of value of, you know, okay, this is how the field looks like. And maybe this is how I should navigate. What would be that one thing you think someone needs to know in the sense of, you know, your parting words of saying, okay, I'm in this legal field and I see someone like Muzi what would Muzi want to share with me in terms of either, you know, growth, opportunities, et cetera, which flows yours. Now to the other point and also to that, the question around mental health. And it's a question I typically ask people around the profession. How would you say you manage mental health in your profession? So I don't know how you can answer the two questions or if you want to answer <laughs> one, it's up to you. Yeah, geez, your second question. That that was quite a question. <laughs> um, okay. I'll put it like this. I'll, I'll, I'll answer it differently. Okay. Number the first question in terms of, um, okay. Things I would say is that, um, basically to anyone coming in and my parting words would be always believe in yourself and do your best. It's not worth nothing. It will come to something at some stage, even if you like working on it and you don't see the results or you see that you feel the results are slow. The fact is you're growing. And, and like, you know, like, like even Naomi was saying, you can feel, you can sometimes feel your own growth and be proud of that. Now, the fact is, if you do that from the very first day that you are doing your articles or anything like that, whether or not you stay at the firm you're in or whether or not you change your mind or anything in practice, that information that you've gathered and that way of doing things and thinking shapes you, you know, and you are growing in some way. It's not for nothing. So you've got to just do your best and don't give up, you know, and the main thing you want to do is be competent, you know, not just be like the best or be, you know, like no companies and everything expect you to be, the best attorney in Africa, should I say, or anything like that. But the one main thing they all have in common in terms of expectation is 
that you're competent, that you can handle what they give you. Or if not, you can try and try and try. And then, yeah, and then just, like I said, be, you know, have a lot of belief in yourself because, like, that that is the difference between, I'll say, you know, previously and now like when like because even I didn't have that kind of belief in myself because I didn't know what I was doing should I say and the times when you learn and you try your best to gather as much info and experience in what you're doing it helps your your belief you know and it ends up helping you to help others should I say now if I were to touch on that second aspect that you said um the mental health thing look uh, okay I'll I'll be brutally honest I I I'm not an expert in that that answer, but if I were to give you my my true point of view, it's it's that um, yeah, it it happens in the profession. A lot of people suffer. I mean, I have myself, you know. But um, like you just want to not step away from your values, you know, the values of having time to yourself. That's very important, you know, and having time to your family. And yes, even friends, you don't need to party it up every single second day, but you need to have that time where you put your mind at peace and yourself at ease. You respect your boundaries. You know, if it's work at eight to five, I'm a hypocrite saying this, you know, but try to stick to that, you know, don't go over that type of time period. Always eat during your lunch times. Don't miss that and just, you know, leave it to now eat once at the end of the day and all of that. You end up burning yourself out. And and as much as this is a great dream and it's brilliant and it's amazing, it is not worth that on your own mental health. You have to set those boundaries and keep to them and be disciplined into that. The rest can work around that, but you can't allow things to keep being invaded into that type of thing because you'll end up like it will be too late before you realize that your work and everything has invaded your own personal space and your own personal well-being. You don't have time to see your kids grow. You're not seeing your family. Your grandma is getting really old. You know, your parents are getting really old. You're missing your nieces and nephews, years of aging and stuff, and you're not seeing your friends. Now they're going away and things like that. And in the blink of an eye, a lot of, you know, who you are is now... It's like it's gone, should I say, but you have to have that control and try have things done around those borders you've set. That that's what I would say, you know. No, I appreciate that. Sheesh. No, I think it's and this is across any professions. Mental health is important to kind of be aware yeah. of. Um, let me go to Shadi and then I think that sequence, uh Naledi and then Naomi. Shadi, on your side, what would you be your parting words and also to the question around mental health? Sure. Okay. Uh, I tend to agree with Muzi about the mental health, but I'll, let me touch the first one. Um, when you are seeking, I can speak of what we know of, obviously. You must remember that somebody is taking a risk with you, right? We're taking a risk with you. We are going to be trusting you with our bread and butter, our clients. So the least you can do, be able to learn, be teachable. Don't, don't come here with your arrogance of, um, but I passed with cum laude or whatnot. Be teachable, be soft, you know, be able to absorb what we have to do. Because each and every practice, whether big or small, they have their own etiquette. You know, they have their own ways of doing things. Don't try to now overpower them because you're, you think you're the smartest thing or you're a gift to that law firm. And the most important one that I've seen that is more attractive to directors or founders of law firms that I'm personally attracted to. 
apply to funding. There's a CETA one, for an example. Apply for funding. If you are applying, you come to say, I've, I've been granted this, I just need you to sign me in and register my articles. I'm like, oh, goodness. Somebody else will be picking up the tab for me. So make that effort, whatever forum that they offer you um, funding, apply that and attach that to your CV to say, I'm in the process, I've applied. If I come, I come with this less burden for you. So put that into play and be teachable. Ask for help. Be that annoying candidate that asks for help, whether from the principal, from other colleagues, just ask for help. We, we, we as we are, as much as post we still ask around so-called stupid questions they are okay you know there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking a lot of questions and another one the very very important one don't burn bridges do not burn bridges in the profession if maybe you're parting ways with your principal and things are not good you know don't go bad mouthing if i'm interviewing you and you come to me and tell me that for example naomi did one two three four five six whatever I went to school with Naomi. I know Naomi on a personal level. I take the phone and say, Naomi, listen, I'm sitting with this nutcase here and she's just going on and on and Naomi starts giving me the files about you. Don't burn phrases. We need each other. As much as we may not like each other, we be friends, but professionally, we need each other. We go through, you step on my toes today, the following day, I'm a commissioner in your matter and now you're going to start making uh, application for me to recuse myself because we we have a beef, you know. So don't burn bridges. Just do what you must. And if you're parting ways, part ways in a in a good way, you know. To say that tomorrow you can just um, call your former principal and ask for help for whatever, you know. We need each other. It's a very small field, yet it's big. You never know who you're gonna come across. And then the mental health one. Oh, they say lawyers drink the most. We say it as a joke, uh, but it's a it's a it's a it's an uh, it's a cry. Honestly speaking, it's a cry um, for help. One because most of us we put this mask off. We know what we're doing. We got it figured out. You know, we have the coins. We we good. But truly speaking, it starts off with childhood traumas, things that unresolved issues, unresolved issues from our past, and then that you mix it with the work. And when ends are not meeting at the work, right? So you start questioning your overall, it's not just the workspace alone. It's, it's, it's overall mental health issues. So work itself becomes triggered, you know? I, I'm going to be very honest with you. At least on average, I would have a serious anxiety attack, literally where your chest is just closing up, you can't breathe, and so on and so forth. So I talk. I'm, I'm one of those people that I talk. I'm very vocal about where I am mentally. And what's happening? My close people, they know. I'll just hit up maybe my best friend or my brother or my. I'm like, I am not okay. You know, I am not okay. And we'll just talk it out. And then maybe I'll book a session of a therapy. And because my go to was always um, retail therapy, you know, those everything else but the problem itself. So I'm one of those typical people that would be like, let me go drinking, let me go shopping, let me. Nah, nah. But I was like, stop. Focus on fixing the problem. So I talk. You talk it out. And you tell people, I'm failing. Things are not coming together, and 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 I refuse to be called umbokoto. I am not a strong woman. Me, eh? <laughs> raise my name from that list. I am weak. I have my horrible days. I have my good days. I'm human. I may seem like I have it together. There are days where I feel like yeah, I'm boss up. You know, I'm good and everything. But 
when the time comes for me to fall apart, I fall apart, absolutely fall apart, put my phone on a flight mode, close the office, leave the people. They know. I just walk out and say, guys, I'm, I'm not having it today. Today's not the day. I'll try again tomorrow. If tomorrow doesn't happen as well, I take as long as I need to. Everything else can wait. I need to focus on myself. That, that is very important. I think I really appreciate that. I think the vulnerability is also very important around the people around you and also in your understanding your profession and speaking to people around who are either in the same field and just also seeing the commonality of the experiences people deal with. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate that. Now, lady, on your side, what's your parting words and also to the question around mental health? All right. Um, my parting words would be, you know, law is vast. There are so many different kinds of law. Um, you know, we're speaking, we've got conveyances, we've got criminal, we've got those who deal with litigation. There are those who um, litigate within the body corporate sphere. It's a vast field. And you may not find your niche when you walk in. It may take time. You may have to go through, you know, I've had, I've had colleagues who started doing the articles, they, didn't, they, they, they got admitted, stopped, became an advocate, did not really like that got admitted as an advocate and then went back to do something else, you know, so explore the field for as long as you need to, if you need to stop working and you have the, the, the resources to go into an LLM or to go and try something else, you know, give yourself that space, um, do what you need to, when you find your field or when your field finds you, it'll fit and, 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 and you know, it'll work out perfectly for you. But just to touch on what Shadi said as well, law or the law practice is not an, you cannot practice law in an island. You need your colleagues. You need to, um, you know, I, I want to use the word be humble. You may be the big shot lawyer, but this is not suits. This is not Ellie McBeal. This is not any of those things you see on TV. You, you need to be humble. You can't walk into a court deeds office, wherever, and, you know, beat your chest and I'm the lawyer, I'm here, you know, deal with me. Remember, remember that you are working with people a lot of the time you're working with government officials and they don't give a damn who you are or which law firms or what you are in that law firm. Be humble, work hard, don't burn any bridges. You know, if you are to leave, if you're in a partnership, if you are um, even interviewing, don't, don't leave the interview negative. Don't leave your potential boss any negative um, feelings towards you. Um, you do not work in an island. You need the people around you. Make as many connections as you possibly can. Um, so that's, that's, that's the one, uh, that's what I'll say in, in my, in my, in my uh, parting words, insofar as mental health is concerned, um, I've got a bit of a harsher view of mental health. We all have mental health, uh, issues, you know, I get anxiety attacks regarding, you know, I'll, I'll stop and I'm like, oh my goodness, are we making salaries this month? Um, you know, you will stop and look at your own finances. My goodness, I've been running this firm for so long. When am I going to be rich? Because expect me to be rich as a, as, a, as, a, as a lawyer. You know, those things will start attacking your, your, your mental space. Take time for yourself. However, you need to decompress, do that. Remove yourself from the situation when you can. On weekends, it doesn't have to be running around, getting drunk, being a problem. If you have to just come, be calm take time, be in your space. And unfortunately for some of us, you know, we, we are cell phone based. All our clients have a cell phone numbers. When they call you after hours, they call you and we can still answer. You know, wait until work hours. They, it, whatever problem they have, it will still be there. Um, and, 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 but I also want to take the, the, the opposite side. And a lot of this new, 
of the pe new people coming in will want to use mental health as an excuse not to perform. And that's why I say we all deal with mental health. Mental health is not an excuse for you not to show up. Not, not show up to work, but just to show up for yourself and show up in your work. So as much as much as we respect mental health and what it, and what it is, don't use it to hide incompetence behind um, mental health. And I'm seeing a lot of people who come in now and, oh, I've got anxiety attack. I've got to be out of work for, for five days. You know, it's you, you're at work and there's people relying on you. And as much as you need to take time for yourself, with especially within your private time, also remember that these are businesses. This is work. Show up for yourself. And you will realize that when you show up, and you 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 present yourself at work when you when you do have that mental uh, a problem where you need to take a step back. Your boss will be willing to give you the time because you are someone that shows up. I, I'm speechless for what you guys have shared so far. Um, yeah, it's really. I'm not even a lawyer, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go to work on Monday. I'm like, yeah, this is this is applicable. Um, Naomi, uh, probably last foremost, what would you want to share as your parting words, and also to the question on mental health. Mm. Uh, I love what everybody said there. Um, I think for me, you know, adding to what everybody said, what I want to say is also your silence will not protect you. Um, in the workplace, it will not protect you. You have to speak up. You have to, like, you have to find your voice. There's a tendency, you know, obviously I'm speaking from a, a place of being a candidate attorney. There is a tendency of, you know, being talked over, being, you know, it's well known that a lot of times paralegals do tend to want paralegals and legal secretaries do tend to want to abuse, you know, candidate attorneys and you are allowed to speak up. You're not there to take any abuse from anybody, whether clients or colleagues. So you speak up. And for me, it took me a while, but I did eventually find my voice, you know, um, as what I'm one person with just enough capacity to do a certain amount of work you know and if I can't get to this it's because I cannot get to this and you have to speak up when you are given work that exceeds your capacity you have to let you know let them know that listen I'm not going to get to this perhaps give it to somebody else or give me more time your silence will not protect you you have to speak up if you find that you're not growing in a certain you know space or environment or a team that you're placed you speak up you speak up about that at my firm we have these six uh these kind of feedback reviews every six months and I use that opportunity to speak up about things I'm pleased about and things I'm not pleased about and we work around fixing that and I found that Speaking up when you need to, obviously, you know, there are certain things, you know, that you can let go, but speaking up when you need to, it also earns your respect. It earns your respect. And um, so, yeah, my number one thing is your silence will not protect you. A lot of candidate attorneys, um, unfortunately, you don't always get to choose which firm you're going to land in because there's so many of us and very few uh, articles, opportunities. So you kind of take what you're given and you find that you land in a convincing firm, for instance, and after two years, you realize, actually, I am not happy in, the, in, in a convincing firm and I want to change, you know, speak up about that. Start, start looking for other opportunities. Um, your silence, will, that I think it just boils up to your silence will not protect you. Speak up, go after what you want. And then on the issue of mental health for me, it's a very big thing for me. And I think every speaker mentioned anxiety. That is something I think all lawyers go to. I deal with crazy clients on a daily basis. And 
sometimes for me, how I doing work hours, how I deal with those, you know, panic attacks or anxiety is I take my lunch. You're, you're entitled to your lunch hour. Even if you're not going to eat, I, I go outside, take in the sun, just sit and I take, you need a moment sometimes to just belong to yourself and just forget all the BS. So how I deal with it throughout the day is taking my lunch or sometimes it gets, it can get very crazy in the, in the workspace. I will take a walk, come back and regroup. You know, you need that. And I also try and place these boundaries where, um, so I mean, convincing, like I mentioned, and, you know, clients are always calling about, when is my property registering? What's happening? What's the progress? And we do exchange, you know, we do, we're very big on customer service at my firm and we want to really service our customers to the best of our abilities. And it's almost, uh, um, what, what's the word? Like a theme of, you know, the customer is always right, but the customer isn't always right. The customer can be abusive. The customer can really, um, um, yeah, get to you. So like, I think you mentioned this, I, I've had clients who text you and want your attention at, 10 o'clock on a Saturday and you have to place those boundaries. I'm not going to respond to this. And I will send you an email on Monday morning. Hi, ma'am. My working hours are Monday to Friday at eight to half past four. Unfortunately, during that, uh, outside of that, those hours, I cannot assist you, but you know, A, B and C. So place those boundaries and take a moment. Um, you can do a great job while working within your working hours. I promise you, you can do it, you know, um, pushing yourself to work outside your working hours every single day is not realistic. So, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the information that you guys have shared. And I think, you know, some of the six, seven people I've spoken to in advance who are looking forward to this episode, I can definitely show, just that there are too many other questions, but I'll probably, if they have anything, I'll probably just ask them to speak to you directly through an email and not DM you because, or, you know, send you emojis and ask you for job opportunities or anything like that. Um, but I think it's quite informative with the information you guys have shared. And I think it's very important for not just for the legal field, but I think for a lot of careers, understanding just not just, okay, this is how you study, get your good marks and go apply for a big firm or a big company, or that if you want to start your own firm, it has to be on a sky tall building that you can oversee Sandton city. And if you're not, if you're a lawyer, you have to be working for this big firm where you are overlooking the whole of Sandton and whatever. And I think information you guys have shared also touches light on the natural and the humanistic sense of what it means to be a lawyer, but also what it means to be a human being who has a career, has a life, and is trying to obviously manage finances, the personal life and all those kind of things. And that's why it's important for us to have these kind of conversations because sometimes you have conversations, okay, you know, what's your job look like? Okay, how much money do you get? It was a stereotypical thing of just the formal sense. Now, I think it was important for you guys to share that human touch of what it means to be in your field and how you manage those dynamics. So I really appreciate everything you guys have shared. For me personally, I think I've learned a lot and it's a lot to digest in and appreciate everything you guys have shared. Um, so thank you again, guys, for joining the podcast. Um, what I will do, I'll send you guys information about each other in case you guys want to get contact um, about what the other person does. Furthermore, um, in case you also want to reach out to me, I will be in contact for further information around future episodes. We'll have another episode for, for lawyers as well, but it'll be obviously probably a different panel. Uh, maybe I'll ask those other questions there. Uh, but lastly, I think, thank you again. Um, I will share the information. The podcast will probably be out by Tuesday or Wednesday, if not earlier. 
Um, so yeah, just expect that. And obviously, we typically like using Zen, Zencaster, which is different from Zoom because it's more podcast orientated, but you will see the editing. So don't expect to see a Zoom upload on, on the internet. So thank you again, guys. And um, if you have any other questions, please feel free to ask me, but do enjoy the rest of your weekends. This is obviously your time off. So I please hope you maximize this. And yeah, I'll be in touch. Uh, but thank you again. Yeah. Sorry. Thank Naomi? you. Thank you. Yeah. I was saying thank you for the invitation. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you, guys. And enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you for having us, man. Pleasure, man. Cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers.